My name is Renika Jacobs, and you found my podcast, Strive for More, Your Best Life Now. While there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, you've taken the time out to listen to this one. So for that, I would like to say thank you. So without any further delay, let's get to it. Let's strive for more. Finding a career on purpose. My next guest, Davina Ware, is helping people strive for more in their careers. Davina is the founder of Upwardly Paved Path Career Coaching and from Pave Your Ideal Career Path Program. She helps professional women discover their gifts and prepare them for new careers that encompass their gifts, skills, and talents. In this episode, she will share some actionable tips to get you closer to success in your career. Hi, Davina. Welcome. Thank you so much for being a guest on my show. How are you? I am wonderful, and I'm super excited to be here. That's great. I can tell you, Davina, I'm as equally as excited to have you as a guest. Okay, so how did you get into career coaching? Quite honestly, I just kept bumping my head against terrible careers. And I had so much experience being in misaligned and and, and bad environments and work situations that I was able to counsel people that had been in those spaces. And I have a heart for growth. I have a heart for um, coaching, sharing, and helping people anyway. So essentially, I just took all of my pain. I took all of my struggles to make it somebody else's shortcut so that they don't have to hit their head as many times as I did uh, to find success and to find the best fit for their careers. Man, that's awesome because I know that there are a lot of things that I've learned <laughs> after working for almost 20 years professionally. If there are a couple of things someone could have told me beforehand, that I could have oh, <laughs> a couple of situations that would have been great. <laughs> right? So, yes. So speaking of that, self-sabotage, that's a topic I want to bring up. So I know I've done some things, and maybe you have done some things, that we self-sabotage ourselves. Yes, absolutely. One of the biggest things is people make decisions in their frustration and in their pain. And those are very real things, and I'm a person that's considered empathic, meaning I feel all day long. So when people are frustrated, when I'm frustrated, I really feel the frustration, and it can affect my whole day. But I watch people say, I'm, I'm tired of being looked over, or I'm tired of this happening. I'm just going to find another job. I'm going to go in a different direction. 
And so they're not thinking clearly in order to make strategic steps into a, a whole career path. It's more than just about finding a job because that's when we get serial job hoppers where people think, well, if I just find a different job or a different environment with different people, everything will be okay. And that's not the truth because the same person, which is you, shows up in all these environments. They don't stop and take self-inventory of what aspects are making you miserable and not just the aspects of the job itself. How did you even get here to be in this work environment, to be in this career, to be in this job? To, how did you get here? we got to back it up a little bit and start looking internally at where you are mentally and spiritually so that we can course correct so we can provide some healing and some insight so that you can steer your career and not be a victim of circumstance, really, and end up in constantly miserable situations. So the biggest thing of self-sabotage is making emotional decisions about your career. Wow. And you said looking internally to course correct. I love that. I love that. <laughs> now, people say, you know, the only way to get ahead is you got to get more education. And I understand that. Um, I mean, hey, I'm a doctoral student. I'm almost finished with, with my doctorate. Um, yeah. So it's important to me to get forward in my career. But is it possible to get ahead in your career without getting more degrees? Because, I mean, getting more degrees means sometimes getting more debt. <laughs> so, oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. With these student loans, absolutely. Uh, before we do that, because I've done that, I'm like, uh, okay, let me get another degree, and then that will open up different opportunities for me. Everything will be fine. I have a friend that did that. I have a friend with three degrees and has gotten nowhere further in his career. But the thing is you have to understand your industry that you're in because some industries, and as you know, as an educator, an education these things, they are important depending on what side of the house you're on. If you're on the administrative side or if you're forward-facing in teaching, that's going to be completely different credentialing. But you need to know your industry before you start collecting degrees because it may not be necessary. Uh, in some industries, they value the time, the sweat equity that you've spent there because they, they trust that you understand the, the other external sources that affect the industry and you can make decisions based on that. So you I tell people, think about the industry. Think about the industry that you're in more than anything. What does the industry expect? And from there, determine where you fit in with that. So are you at an intermediate level with this industry? Do you have those 10,000 hours of, of, of practice, which is what – you are considered to be an expert at that point. Once you have 10 years of practical experience in a certain skill or in a job title, perhaps there's a lot of people I know that are walking around at expert level but don't see that and don't understand that. Therefore, they're not promoting that, but they'll go and get another degree and rack up more money and, and more time and delay instead of growing in that, career space that they're in and, and going up the ladder with what they already have. So it goes back to taking that inventory, but just in a different space. So before we were talking about emotionally 
and, and mentally, but here we're actually talking about tangibly and technically taking inventory of what you have, where you're going, and what your industry is requiring of you. So my, I'm in marketing, and I have a master's degree in some directions with marketing, that's important, but a PhD is not. It's that sweat equity and who you know, to be completely honest. So going back to the industry, what do they want from you? What do they need? And if it doesn't work for you, find a different industry. That makes a lot of sense. And you mentioned experience. Okay, so in order to showcase your experience and to get another job, you use your resume, right? So yep. what key things you should put on there? I mean, at this point, is it really still necessary to put your home address on the resume? I mean, and people have different opinions about what should go on a resume. So what are the key things that you need to put on a resume? With, with your address, I would say what space do you have? I think if you have the space, add it. If not, then perhaps not because you still will be required to fill out an actual application. And I don't think people realize that. But your, your address will live there for sure. For people that have been in their field for a while who are maybe uh, just starting out on a specialist level or first level managers, then I think you definitely want to have your objective statement to give some context behind who you are. It shouldn't just be a list of bullet points for sure. Um, the other thing is the, the meat of your resume, your thing that they're going to be looking for, of course, is your experience. You can label it regular experience. You can label it professional experience. But the key thing with that is it should not read as a job description. And people make that mistake because it, writing a resume and staring at a blank Word document can be overwhelming. So some people just look back at their job description and plug and play. But you need to show how you have contributed to these companies, what has been your role, your part as part of the bigger whole, what are your accomplishments? That's the main thing I tell people to, to think about. How did you help this company save money? How did you make an impact on process? How did you help to expand sales, create partnerships? And even if you weren't the driving force behind that, but you were on a team that did such, they want to see your impact more than anything, so that professional experience there. But the key thing that I tell people is be mindful of spacing. Be mindful of spacing. If you have less than 10 years in an industry, then it should be on one page. So if you have enough to add your professional experience, add your affiliation, that's key because an interviewer can be in the same organization as you and that by itself may pique their interest, whether it's a sorority, and I've had that happen to me before, um, where that gave them a talking point in our interview to say, oh, we're members of the same sorority, and then it became more casual uh, in that sense. And also to show leadership, to show your collaboration, that you play well with others. Because it's one thing to mention it in a bullet point in your professional experience, but it's another thing to showcase that by being affiliated with another organization that has nothing to do with your work 
and showing your leadership roles there. Education, of course, what kind of training do you have? And again, different industries may be looking for that MBA, and some may just be looking for a certification. And depending on the industry and the job, if that is super important, then you want to lead with that. The other thing to think about with the resume it is it's not a one-size-fit-all. So there is no one magic special template that you'll use, but it's your marketing tool. So if your professional experience is the strongest, then put that above your educational experience. If, it's, if you have a degree from Harvard, yeah, you want to put that at the top of your resume. So it just depends. So going back to what I said before, before we write a resume, before we send out a job application, you have to know the door in which you're entering. And that way you can be prepared with the right resume, the right look, the right credentials, etc. If not, you'll just get swept up into the nuances of the industry uh, on a reactive basis and never really being able to take the lead in your career, which ultimately affects your life. Mm. So in, in thinking about your life and working jobs, now, generations past, people stayed in the, you know, in the career 30 years, 35 <laughs> years with the same company 30 years, 35 years, to make sure they get the watch or the plaque or the Fabergé egg or whatever, whatever <laughs> that was the prize possession to get for being with a company and being loyal. Um, I have a father who's been in accounting for almost 40 years. I have a stepfather who's been an engineer with his company um, for almost 40 years. So wow. is it true that we should just stay at a job or what are the truths and myths to, mm. to that? Is it okay to leave a job after, you know, four or five years or is it taboo? Uh, talk, in your opinion, talk about that. I love this question. Love, love, love this question. And the simple answer I have is, is the job still feeding you? And I don't mean from feeding your family. They pay you. So, yeah, they should be feeding you that way. But in terms of your own growth, in terms of the life you want for yourself, is this place still feeding you? Now, if you've been with the company and they're a great company, I encourage people to look at that. Do you have um, understanding managers? Do you have a, a culture that is conducive to your personality? And if so, I would be more hesitant to jump ship. But if you, there's opportunities for you to ask questions, if there's opportunities for you to learn, for you to um, maybe take your experience and create a project that would impact the company, if there's opportunity for you to do that, I would say to that then definitely stay, depending on your own personal objective. But if you get to a point where you hit a wall and there's no way you can go forward, there's no way you can have a voice, have a, to be a stakeholder on a higher level at a company, then if you're that kind of person, the, the strivers, right, that you talk about in the podcast, uh, you will be bursting at the seams to get out of this place. So it depends um, on, you, on your objective. Some people are perfectly fine with 
business as usual every day. It's comfortable for them. It's predictable, and it's less overwhelming. But for the strivers, if you and your company are running a race and you're no longer side by side but they're behind you, then definitely I would say um, to move on. But before you move on to outline what it is you need so that you and your company on your race are moving side by side or if they're moving ahead of you, you can still catch up and have an impact and be going in the same direction. Man, I like that analogy. you saying, you know, if you and your career are not moving side by side, and I, I get that. I've been in moments, uh, I've had those moments where I feel like, you know what, this career and, what, and my goal, if this job and my goals, they're not matching up. It, they're they're right. just not. So then for the people out there, because a lot of people are in jobs that they don't really like, it's disheartening to hear sometimes people grumble about having to go to work and having to go to their job, but they're kind of trapped because they know they need to, you know, feed their family or they have expenses. But how do you go about discovering what you would like to do as a career so that perhaps you can move towards that preferred reality? You could strive for more and move towards that preferred reality and getting a job that you do like, that you enjoy going to every day. Yes. Yes, this is my sweet spot. I love talking about this. I would say the, the first thing is your own clues. What is it that you would do happily without getting paid for it? Of course, the ultimate goal is for you to have provision for yourself, but what is it if you stayed late, you wouldn't grumble about it, you'd be excited to jump in and, and help? What is that thing? And some clues are what you do personally in your life. Simple enough to, like, organizing your house. Some people, myself included, I get really excited about some new organizational thing from Ikea or the container store where I can make my, my house and my flow of way of doing things more efficient. Oh. It well, just makes me really I, <laughs> I would love to. Like, how can I make your life easier by simplifying or, or, again, just organizing it. Yes, like I, I can get out of bed and be like, oh, I'm organizing today. But that means I need to be in a role where I can apply that. But on the contrary, data entry, for example, I, I of course, have a lot of experience in that in different capacities, but I despise it. So prime example, if you don't want to sit at a computer all day typing, well, then don't give that energy. But the thing that excites you, look for that. Look for opportunities to where you can contribute to that. But also, that's just one way. Anything you do career-wise or, or anywhere you're going, start with you first before you start looking outside of yourself because we, a lot of times, we have the clues. We have the tools internally already. We just don't take the time often to trust ourselves and to consult ourselves first. And sometimes we end up being, building standards based on other people's standards. But uh, I would say that's the second thing, to ask who do you know who's excited to get out of bed and go to work every day. And I would say talk to them. Figure out what that is because it may be something that's also of interest to you, especially if it's a friend because normally friends have similar values. So that's a great way to get some external 
information about what is even available out there. Some people don't even try to find something that will bring them excitement, joy, passion, where they can burn the midnight oil and not be drained afterwards because they don't know what exists out there. So we have to reach out to other people and figure out what that looks like. The other thing is pick a specific functional skill um, that you might enjoy. And again, I'll just use myself and marketing as an example. And find association. There is an association for everything, everything. And yeah, even you don't have to join, but there's materials that's available for you where you can research, where you can talk to uh, some of the volunteers or some of the board to say, I'm kind of interested in this career. I'm interested in accounting. I'm interested in marketing. I'm interested in the, rent the restaurant industry. What can you tell me? And just it broadens your your scope. It broadens your sense of understanding, and that way you can have a, the best idea and make the most informed decision to say, okay, I've laid it all out here, starting with myself, starting with my friend, and then starting with some experts um, in this field or in this industry. Now I can see what direction I want to take, and I can be confident in it because I've taken the time to do the research to, to understand, yeah, this is my sweet spot. This is where I'm happiest. And again, whether you take it or not, you still have that information. So when something comes up or you end up in a job and you're like, ah, I'm miserable every day, you have the information as to why that could be help happening to diagnose the issue, but also to make a decision to get out. I just It breaks my heart to hear people like, I hate my job, I hate going to work every day. That is not what life is for. We are not supposed to wake up just to get through the day. We miss so much outside of that. So it's, I think everybody should have a career. And that's the, the tagline of my business, of Upwardly Paid Path, is careers on purpose. It makes a whole difference when people are working in their purpose. I think there'd be a lot less miserable people in the world. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so talk about the 90-day career fix. You have this 90-day career fix. What is that? Yes, so the 90-day career fix is a signature coaching program to help professionals fully transition from a place of stagnation into that career on purpose that I mentioned. Now, statistically, it takes about six months on average for professionals to find a new career. And that's not necessarily even a better one. It's just a new one. But with the 90-day career fix, it's half the time. But all of the work that we've been talking about, the inner work, the technical understanding, the marketing yourself. Since I'm a marketing person, I take the 90-day career fix and teach people and guide people really as accountability partner and as a mentor and teacher how to market themselves for this career, this, not just one job. Yes, we're trying to get you to the next step before a whole career path after that where you jump up with excitement, where you 
are using your gifts and talents every day. That's why you have them. So we take it in, in four phases. The first one is self-discovery, doing the work, understanding who you are, what makes you work, what you have to give, but also your biggest personal obstacles because some of those are the ways that we are self-sabotaging the most subconsciously. Then we move into career matching, and that's digging into not just randomly applying for jobs, but knowing, okay, this is the path I need to be on. This is what suits me. This is what's going to let my gift shine. But also this will help me to turn my biggest obstacle into my biggest strength so it's not holding me back anymore. And then the next phase is that whole marketing yourself phase where you're I'm helping people to create brand you, as I call it, where you're walking billboard by your of yourself, and you may be the greatest worker or professional ever for your industry, but if you're not packaged appropriately, employers will miss it, and you'll miss it, and it'll just be a frustrating, prolonged process that doesn't have to be. But then presenting this great brand, then we go over the resume, like line by line, and then I review it to say, okay, this is looking good, this is what you need to change, and because I'm walking with my clients through this process, I already know what makes them tick. I already know what they're an expert in. I already know what their shortfalls are. So I'm able to look at their resume from that lens and give them the best direction and advice so that they'll get callbacks from it. Then we do a mock interview session where I'm giving you feedback and the recording so you can see yourself to see how you respond to certain answers because there's I know somebody personally who was in an interview and made a face and almost didn't get the job because of that but because her friend was the director of this nonprofit they had um, her resume pulled and given to the hiring manager but if that wasn't the case she would have missed that opportunity because of a face she made was so off-putting to the interviewers that they were like, oh, we don't know we want to work with her. So that, that, that happens there. And then the last two weeks is pure job search strategy so that you're not burning yourself out, spending 20 hours a day or that old ad age that I am trying to debunk, that if you want a new job, you have to make a job out of finding a new job. And that simply is not true. That is not efficient and not the best use of your time. So we find the shortest and the most applicable route for professionals to find that career that's not going to take up all their time, but also is more than likely going to get, get them more interviews. So we walk through these four phases, but also it, it's skill building. And these, it's set up in a way so that you don't ever have to be in a stagnant job or a bad work situation ever again. No, that's awesome. That's a wonderful process. Okay, so, you know, they have that saying. It's not what you know, it's who you know, and trying yeah. to get up a career and move forward in, you know, to advance your career. So what are some strategies that someone can do to get hired at an organization when they don't have a quote-unquote inside man, uh, you know, or they don't have a direct reference or a referral? What are some things people can do? 
know the company. That's the biggest one. Um, it's and some people specifically want to work for um, a, a company because they've heard great things or they're excited about what they're doing. The company should know that because even if it's a, between a candidate that okay, this is you know we know this person or they were referred to us, but to have someone that is passionate and excited about what they do genuinely, it trumps that. Because to have a referral, yes, you want to kind of do a favor uh, to whoever is providing the referral or someone who's applying it internally is less paperwork, it's easier to do, but it's that personal passion. When that comes out, that makes people pause to say, oh, this person may do more for us than the people that we know. So seeing that hunger and also showing up as the solution. Because a lot of times people that are referred somewhere or it's a networking situation, they get a little laxed. They can get a little lazy in the process. Because they're like, I'm just going through the technicalities of it. You know, I already got referred. I'm probably going to get the job. So that's a great opportunity for someone who doesn't have that inside man, that inside plug, to show up as the solution. Because ultimately, that's what they need more than they need a buddy on the team. That makes sense. Well, Davina, I have one last question. Now, this question has nothing to do with the topic that we've been talking about. This question, uh, I like to ask all of my guests towards the end of the interview one little question. I guess maybe I'm a little nosy. I don't know. <laughs> but, so we all have our, you know, talents, um, but then we also have things that um, may not be considered talents or we, we wish we could do them, but it just no matter how hard we try, it just doesn't happen for us. So yep. what is something that you can't seem to do no matter how hard you've tried? Oh, that's an awesome question. I would say I can't seem to look at spreadsheets all day. <laughs> I, um, I, I find ways that I can, I mean, Excel is important, it's great, yes, but I try to find other ways of communicating, storing, and presenting information that does not involve a spreadsheet. And I get it. I get the technical aspects of it, but I'm a storyteller. I'm a person that likes to, to walk people through the process. I'm a speaker. Uh, I'm a presenter. But when we get into the technicalities of and formulas and things, I'm like, ah, I'm sure I could be better at this, but because I really don't want to be, I'm not. <laughs> I can understand that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Davina, thank you for your time. I really appreciate you. Can you do me a favor? Please take the time to let everyone know how they can participate in your coaching program or seek any of your other services that you offer. Absolutely. The best way to find me is on the website, and that's upwardlypavedpath.com. And there you can find information about the 90-Day Career Fix. And we can schedule a, a coaching call, um, what I call a career strategy session. And it's completely free just so I can give you a diagnosis and give you a direction of where you could go. There's some awesome blog posts there to 
help people from a personal, spiritual, and a career standpoint to leave your feedback there or tell me how this information has helped you. And, of course, on all my social media pages. But, yeah, I, I like to hear from people, and it's my goal to get as many professionals in a career on purpose as possible. Wonderful. Any last words of encouragement for the listeners out there as they continue to strive for more? Yes. Don't get distracted. There's a lot happening right now, and everybody has a place. Everything has a place. And in some aspects, this might be your time to launch. might be your time to really shine in regard to some of the things that are happening here. But for others, we still have a plan. We still have a purpose. We still have gifts. And we can't abandon them because our environment and things that we can't control are crazy. So don't get distracted. Figure out your place and your purpose and what's going on, but continue to pursue it because ultimately it's yours and it's your responsibility no matter what else is going on. Man, Davina, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and expertise about career building and making sure you find that preferred job, that job on purpose, that employment on purpose for people. I wish you nothing but blessings and abundance in the future. Continue to strive for more. Take care. Thank you. To find out more information about Davina or to book her for career coaching, visit my website at www.striveformorepodcast.com. Have you followed Strive For More on Instagram or Twitter? When you are finished listening to this episode, go to your Instagram or Twitter account, search Strive For More and follow. Remember, it's for the number four and not F-O-R. So Strive, the number four, more and follow. When you follow on Instagram or Twitter, you receive the latest show info like new episodes, information on guests, and daily inspiration. Thank you so much for listening. See you in the next episode.